Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Paradox Untold Stories from Athletic Directors. I am Dr. Danielle Lapointe, and my co-host is Dr. Dustin Smith, and we are here today with Vicki Nelms. How are you this morning? Fine, thank you. Great. I'm so excited to have you here and to hear your stories. Um, I want to say thank you to you, but also to our sponsor, Ticket Spigot, for making all of these episodes possible. So, Dustin. My co-host, how are you today? Man, I'm I'm living the dream in Greenwood, Arkansas, and I can <laughs> say that. Um, and and our guest knows actually where Greenwood, Arkansas is. Um, <laughs> she she is um, somebody that I, that I admire and I, I learn from monthly. Um, but even prior to being a part of the NIAAAU cohort, where we we both serve as mentors. I've been able to 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 learn from Vicky, and she doesn't know this, but I've 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 studied her. I've studied her leadership, um, and she's experienced a lot of things. She's been a coach. Um, she knows, like I said, where Greenwood, Arkansas, is because she's a graduate of Arkansas State University, which is in Jonesboro. And for those that don't know the state of Arkansas, Jonesboro is in northeast Arkansas. Greenwood is in western Arkansas, which is almost Oklahoma. Um, so we are almost as far apart as you can be in the state of Arkansas and still be in the state of Arkansas. Um, but she's a red wolf. Um, and she would tell you back in the day, they were the Indians back used to be the Arkansas state Indians. Um, but now they're the red wolves and she's proudly displaying her alma mater in the background. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, but Vicki has been a coach. She's been a teacher. She's been an educator. Um, and, and I say this, with the utmost respect, she's a mentor. Uh, she's a colleague. Uh, she mentors, obviously, in the IAAAU cohort, uh, but she's a colleague because we share this profession and we get to impact people. She started schools. She started programs. Uh, Vicki is well-versed. And this is what I want Danielle to be when she grows up, well-versed. <laughs> I want her to be somebody who could... Uh, <laughs> well has, done, well done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Vicki has been around the country. Um, she spent time in Florida. We talked about she went to school in Arkansas, got a, got a degree there, but she's from Missouri. Uh, she went to high school in Missouri. She's now in Oregon, which we haven't been to Oregon with the podcast. So you're our maiden voyage up in Oregon, mm -hmm. Vicki. So I'm excited about that. But more importantly, I just I just like to learn from who I consider the greats in the business. And Vicki is definitely on that list. So Vicki, I'm excited to be here with you today. I'm excited you've taken a chance on us. And I'm excited to learn more about you. So as we do that, let me ask you this question. What does the resume, what does what is the resume not going to tell us about who Vicki Nelms is? We can talk about the coach, the teacher. We can talk about the athletic administrator. But what does Vicki do outside of the AD role that makes Vicki tick? Great question. But thank you for the kind words, Dustin. I really appreciate that. Um, I would say, you know, I love photography. So whenever I get some time to to travel uh, for fun or not even for fun going different places I like uh, to experiment with my photography I'm a family person I just got back from uh, spending two weeks with my mom in San Antonio and uh, got to see the rest of my family while I was there um, my dad passed away three years ago which is why I'm probably 
in the education business that I'm in because he was a teacher and coach, also an Indian at the time, but, uh, you know, part of the Red Wolf uh, tradition. And, you know, um, also my love for baseball came from him because uh, he was a pretty good baseball player at Arkansas State and made it to uh, the last cut of the Yankees back in the day and their minor league system. And, um, but I'm a true St. Louis Cardinal baseball fan throughout. So, uh, you know, those are the things I really like to do is I, you know, I like to, and I love, and I love to fish. So if I could be on a lake river ocean, somewhere fishing every day, I would be in heaven and enjoy that tremendously. So, uh, those are a few things I like to do that aren't that you wouldn't find on my resume. And, um, but I watch as many Cardinal games as I can. Uh, so yeah, I dabble on a few things. So I'm, I'm going to ask this question and you know what Northeast Arkansas is like in the photography world. Did you ever take pictures of mosquitoes? Because the mosquitoes there are bigger than anywhere else I have ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and I totally agree with you when, uh, um, you know, I was born in Jonesboro, even though I was raised in Missouri, uh, when I would go back to stay with my grandparents, I, I can remember going into the bedroom, trying to go to sleep with mosquitoes buzzing by your ear all night long. Right. So, uh, no, I never did get a mosquito picture, but they are bigger than any place I've ever been in my life. <laughs> We like to say in Jonesboro, they saddle the mosquitoes just because they're wow. that big. It's, yeah. I mean, they are they are large there. Um, it's just a different part of it. The, they're in the Delta, I guess, would probably be the two areas that they're really thick and really heavy and really big. Um, and, I mean, they're all trying to get blood anyway. So just to – now, what I won't agree with you with, Vicki, is your love of the St. Louis Cardinals. I knew that was I coming. I knew that was coming. Yep. <laughs> and I thought maybe Danielle was going to go with you because she's a Yankees fan and your dad making it through that organization to the last cut. I thought you were going to go down that road and I can kind of get behind that, but I definitely can't get behind the St. Louis Cardinals fan. <laughs> and that part, you everybody has the right to be wrong and I'll give you that opportunity as well. Wow. Uh, it was interesting my my when my dad had the my dad was offered two contracts one is the Yankees as a pitcher one with the Cardinals as a catcher and he chose to go the Yankees route as a good pitcher. for him <laughs> <laughs> well here's the question I always like to ask Vicky we we talk about this the first time we've been in Oregon so for those that are geographically challenged, can you paint on the map where you are located and what your school district is in that area? Sure. Um, so I am located right outside of Portland, Oregon. So you wouldn't know when you leave Portland to where you get to Happy Valley, which is where my high school is. My high school is uh, Adrian C. Nelson High School. It is a brand new, we just completed our first year here. Um, there are four high schools in my district, um, which I came from Clackamas High School. Uh, I moved here. Well, I'm going to get ready to start my ninth year in this school district. And so my first uh, seven were at Clackamas High School in this last year here at Adrian C. Nelson High School. Adrian C. Nelson High School, just a tidbit, is named after the first 
um, Supreme Court Justice in Oregon who is um, a person of color who is from Arkansas yeah. and originally. Um, so she, we were named after her. She is very active at our school. Um, I just noticed that she's been put up for a federal judgeship here in Oregon. So that'll be interesting to see how that comes about. But so we're just outside of Portland, Oregon. Um, I'm 20, 20 minutes from the airport, depending on traffic. Um, so that kind of gives you a little bit. I'm two hours from the coast. Um, I'm less than an hour to Mount Hood, one of the major mountains and ski places here in Oregon. So got a little bit of all the best of the world here. And not as many mosquitoes as what you had in Jonesboro. Um, never. I, and we have very few uh, of those type of, here where I live, very few of those type of bugs are the love bugs in Florida. Let's give them a little bit of love as well there. <laughs> I like what you did there. The love bugs. I like it. Give them some love. See, that's creative. <laughs> that's something Dustin Smith would have said. So I appreciate that. I appreciate you tapping into your inner Dustin Smith there. So you're, I don't you're know. welcome. I don't know if that's a compliment or not, though, Vicky. Take that how you want. <laughs> that. I, I remember many times living in Florida, having to uh, wash my car immediately after going through the love bugs there. Love bug season is no joke, yes. yes. It's a real yeah. thing. It is a real thing. <laughs> so, Vicki, I want to talk on the subject, and, and being the only male in the room in this discussion, um, Title IX turned 50 years old this year, celebrating our 50th anniversary of what Title IX is. You have seen, you have seen that change over time. So, as 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 an administrator, how has that changed or impacted you and what you've done and female sports as a whole? Not just female sports, but female administrators as a whole over the time that you've spent in education. But for me, you're right. I grew up with it. You know, I was in high school um, in 72. I was a sophomore in high school, I believe. I'm fortunate enough when I was in Missouri that my high school and even in my state, I was able to start playing competitive softball when I was six years old, which I think is unique compared to a lot of other states. Um, when I was in middle school, we had a volleyball program. And then when I got to high school, we had volleyball and uh, softball. And then my junior year, they added um, basketball and track and field to the girls program. Um, we had our challenges. I remember, you know, we started out in a lot of male uniforms uh, is what we had, right? Um, and we played on fields probably is not as good, but back then, you know, there weren't, wasn't the turf fields and all of that. But I was fortunate enough to be able to play competitive for a long time and, you know, through my high school system. And then when I got to college, my, the first year at Arkansas, Arkansas State, the year prior to me coming, had women's basketball. And then the next year, the year I came, they started volleyball. I ended up uh, playing volleyball at Arkansas State. Um, I had gone to play basketball um, and 
the coach at the time, Kay Woodiel, who who's legendary in Arkansas as far as I'm concerned, um, was the basketball coach, but also the volleyball coach. She found out I could play volleyball. And so I ended up playing volleyball and never playing basketball. And, um, you know, just watching the things that we got to do and, and they continued to add sports while I was at Arkansas State. Um, and then coaching, you know, being my first coaching job, I, I actually started um, in the boot hill of Missouri in a little town called Portageville. Um, I had graduated in December, was going to start on my master's and got a phone call about a job there interviewed on New Year's Eve day, got the position and started January 2nd. Wow. And and at my first basketball game that night with not even knowing kids' names or um, who they were or who played. And I went in uh, and met all the kids and said, okay, who starts? They told me who started. They told me who came off the bench first. And Luckily, we got our first win that night, but uh, it was quite an interesting roller coaster two days from uh, going to get all get my stuff from home, which was right outside of St. Louis and moving it to Portageville, Missouri within a matter of 24 hours. Right. And then going into a program. So, you know, and I, I but I coached four sports. Right. That was one of the things as a female coach back back in the day, I coached a lot of sports. Um, and, um, but it, you know, as I got older, as title nine grew, I didn't have to coach as many sports as, you know, that I did, but things have, you know, have changed getting a job as administrator took a while, uh, especially in the athletic director role. It took a while to get to that point. Um, but, yeah, I think those challenges and those experiences has, has helped me to grow as a person to be where I'm at today. So, but you you clearly enjoy challenges. Being a Cardinals fan is one of those that's a challenge. I would assume, but um, I I want to talk about a, a statement that you made talking about you asked the kids who the starters were. And just think about how times have changed even today. If you went in and asked kids who the starters were, I think you'd probably get a way different answer than when you did your first coaching job. And what a whirlwind of events. Get interviewed on one day, get hired, start the next day. And not only that, but you're coaching a game that night. And you did so successfully. But just to be able to ask a kid who starts and who comes off the bench and for them to give you an honest answer at that point uh, pretty, I said, I think that says a lot about kids and the time that we lived in at that point. And, and it was right. I mean, they, that group of young ladies were very special and I still have connections to many of them today. Um, but the, even probably the more strange part of that, um, is when I got home back on the bus and we got back to the school, um, there were some cars there and this one particular car there were there was two women that had been at the game and said hey um you know our names are Daisy and Debbie uh, you know we were at your game tonight we know you're brand new to town would you like to go out and have dinner with us hmm. 
So here I get in a car with two women that I uh, just met and we went to dinner, right? And they have, they, they were two of my closest friends. Um, they were married to uh, two gentlemen that had both gone to high school there at Portageville and one was a teacher there, one was a farmer. Um, but it, it, you know, the, I mean, I took a chance, right. And, and I think that's one thing that I've done is I've never been afraid of a risk, um, or change or making changes that I felt were better for me or in a particular way to try to help kids. So what'd you say those two ladies names were Daisy and Debbie. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I just think it's cool. You went was Daisy and Debbie just on, on a whim saying, okay, I'll do that. And the impact that that had on you to this day, I mean, the, the impact that they've involved and they've helped you helped you transition to that place and have become valuable people in your life. That's pretty, that's pretty cool to me. Yeah, it was, it was, people thought I was crazy. You got, <laughs> and again, but this was back, right? This was back in 81 different times, different things, but I had seen them at the game, right? So it wasn't like I knew that, I, you know, that somebody was stalking me or, or anything. It was just that I knew they were community members and it was a great way to go out and start building relationships. So Yeah, because you were brand new. Yes. I mean, you were one day old in, in that place. Yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah. as we, we've talked about Title IX, we've talked about your journey through several parts of the country. Uh, and I know in your time, either as a coach, as an athlete, as an administrator, you've got some stories of some some things that have happened in your life that you might be thinking back on it now and thinking, did that really just happen? Did I really go through that? Um, and what we like to do in this this podcast is just tell stories, have takeaways for athletic directors across the country that may not go through it, but may be able to learn some pieces of advice from you. So. Is there a story or two that just jump out at you that you say, you know what, I want to share this. Um, and the cool thing is it's your story. Um, there's nobody here to debate it. Um, we don't have to have Mike McGurk here to be able to validify, to bring any validity to it or not. Uh, but this is your story. So your opportunity just to, and we're just going to have a conversation about things that you've experienced and you'll get our, our honest reaction. Um, and I can't promise you that, I won't ask a question that somebody else may not ever ask, uh, just how my mind works. But let's talk about some stories in your world uh, that you've experienced that uh, we can we can visit about. Uh, you know, I, I was trying to think of what stories did I have or what what can I tell you? I can remember the first time that I really thought about wanting to become an, an athletic director. And so. I was at a small school in Texas coaching, and I we in Texas uh, we have weight classes for all of our athletes. So the female athletes we had our own weight classes, and so I was um, the athletic coordinator there. But I made a mention to uh, the kids. I said, "Yeah, my, you know, they were wanting to get to know me and ask goals." And I said, "Well, I hope one day to become an athletic director." And so, and it's funny, one of the young ladies spoke up and her dad happened to be the athletic director at the school. And um, she, I said, well, you know, I'd like to be an athletic director. And she said, you mean you're going to become a football coach? 
And I said, um, no, that's not my plan. I, you know, but, but, and, you know, and their minds, especially Texas is well known for most of the football coaches are athletic directors. And so that's what she had grown up with. Right. And I said, no, I'm going to be an athletic director, but my plan is not to be a football coach. But then I can remember applying for a job in Texas later on. And it was, and all it said was athletic director, right. And gave the job description. So they called me for an interview and said, make sure you have your football plans and everything else that you're going to do. And I said, football job, that wasn't mentioned in the thing. Oh yes, this is an athletic director job and a football job. And I said, um, I will, I will not be interviewing, you know, I, I was not a football coach, uh, even though I, in a very small school in Texas, I uh, occasionally was asked to sit in the press box and give my feedback. So, um, <laughs> you know, kind of thing, but was not my forte. So I, I learned a lot to, to read further into job descriptions after that of what it meant. But, you know, just trying to, you know, as, as a woman, you have to negotiate and learn about, you know, how do you make yourself um, viable as an athletic director? Because I know many times I've had people ask me, well, how are you going to supervise a football coach if you don't know football, right? And it's not one of the sports I've ever coached. Um, I've coached many sports growing up, but that was not one. And so making sure people understand um, that it's not just about the X's and O's, but it's about relationships, it's about building culture. It's about a lot of other things and just being able to know every sport, not just football, but any other sport that you don't have as much knowledge about. Well, you think about just that girl's reaction um, and that that's honest and that's real. And she was just, sometimes you get honest, honest responses. Um, and we've talked about that. Clearly you're, you're really good at that because you trusted those kids with the starting lineup. And this girl just said, you're going to be a football coach. Yep. Um, and just to understand that mindset for kids, that that's exactly who the athletic director was. It, it was personal for her, obviously, because it was her dad. Yep. Um, and, you know, she wasn't threatened that you may be trying to take her dad's job. She wasn't, that wasn't the issue. She was just, that's all she knew as the athletic director was a football coach. So you get a, an honest answer. But I think the cool thing in that, that, that part of the story to me is just the sincerity of a kid yep. that's just going to say, hey, you're going to be a, you're going to be a football coach. Not that she was surprised you were going to be a football coach, but that that was what was tied to the athletic director role as mm -hmm. being the head football coach. So she wasn't alarmed that you could have been a trailblazer and been the head football coach as well. She was alarmed that you're going to tag that with being the athletic director. I think that was the more surprise to her. It was right, and she just said, "I never knew a woman could be an athletic director." Right, and I think. As, as being administrators, male, female, it's our job to help kids know that there are roles that we can do, even though there may not be a person that looks like us in that role, that we've got to help kids know and to be able to expand those, expand those ideas for them to make sure, you know, that was one thing that my parents told me 
and said, don't ever feel like you can't do something. If you want something, go for it, work hard and take, do those things. I can remember when we did my, you know, my dad passed away about three years ago and he was a Korean war veteran and, and we were doing his uh, memorial service on Memorial day weekend out at, uh, out at Fort Sam Houston Cemetery and, and my siblings decided I would be the one to talk, right? Uh, sometimes when you're the oldest child, you get selected for things, whether you want them or not. And, uh, and what, you know, we decided as we were talking about my dad, think about the one-liners or the one words or whatever that were synonymous with him, right? Um, and one of them was hard work. You know, that was something he believed in. But I think part of that had to do with his upbringing of being living on a farm and picking cotton and sowing, uh, sowing the beans and doing all those kind of things. And so I think, you know, that was one thing that when we were talking to kids is that you can be what you want to be, but it's going to take some hard work and there's going to take some failures and um, there's going to be disappointments. But those disappointments or failures are what's going to help you to become better and to get through those rough times. I was listening to Kara Lawson's um, one thing that's been popping up on um, the internet about, you know, about hard work and you can't take the easy way. You've got to look at things different and remember that it's never easy. And it's not going to be easy. If you ever think of that, you've got to change your mindset about it. And I think that's, we, you can't let the disappointment keep you from going to the next job that you want or applying or doing what you'd like to do. I, I love what Carol, I, I love that bit that's out there in Carol Lawson's speech. And <clears throat> the thing that everybody's talking about is handle hard better, which she talks about over and over and over again. And I think that's, Great, but I think the line that that really stuck out with me is <clears throat> she said a lot of people go to the bus stop and expect the easy bus to come around, yep. and it never comes around. Um, and I think um, for for me, the battle that that I, I was never the oldest child, so I, I was the seventh of nine. So my dad, I think, thought the Smith name was going to go extinct, so he was trying to make sure that that wasn't an option. Uh, so I was the seventh of nine kids, but I was the first one in my family to graduate from college. I was the first one to get a master's, get a doctorate, all that stuff. Um, but I think I think the society, unfortunately, as a whole, has waited for the easy bus, and they're they're standing at that bus stop waiting. I think that was a really cool statement from Carol Lawson saying the easy bus isn't coming around. And we'd like to get on that. I was never able to be on that easy bus. Um, you two ladies in the world of athletic administration, it's never been an easy journey for either of you two either. And so experiencing that, and we talk about takeaways for athletic directors to understand it's not easy. And I tell our coaches, it's never a wrong time to do the right thing. There may not be an easy time, but there's never a wrong time. So I understand that process of, but it may not be easy. Not easy. And we know that it, it doesn't matter who's sitting in this chair, right? 
um, I was reading something else, uh, it, it's an article that I'm trying to put together because here in Oregon, I think next year we're going to have about 62 new athletic directors in our state. Well, that's a lot because we don't have a lot of schools in the state of Oregon. Right. And one of the things that I was reading um, is that one of the thoughts that I'm going to put in it is that in my something I was thinking about in my first year, I learned that I did not know as much as I thought I did. And I think that's what we've got to look at is that you're going to learn so many things. Um, you know, whoever thought that we would deal with COVID, right? Whoever thought that we would go through something like that as administrators. Um, so, you know, trying to make sure that it's not easy. There's not an easy bus. There are no shortcuts. If you're doing shortcuts, then it's a program that I don't want to be involved with um, because I think it takes time to get to what you want to do. Um, I know we talked before we came on a little bit about being at a school, taking over and trying to change things when you're there because it doesn't meet your how hard that can be going or coming to a brand new school where you can start from scratch and do everything the same way. And But I think that's important for athletic directors as they go in, they've got to evaluate. Um, I know the gentleman that took over for me at Clackamas, he was my head baseball coach, um, got his administration license and took over as the AD. And the first thing I told him is, don't let him say this is the way Vicky did it. It's I'm not there anymore. You're not Vicky. You've got to do it the way that you feel makes John Arnston who he is and not what Vicky Nelms was. And I think that's what we've got, you know, new ADs have to remember is they're not the person that was in the chair before them. They are new. They're going to be different. And there's we all know there are challenges within that realm as well. Well, and you just said something that really kind of resonated with me because I tried um, to be as prepared as possible when I wanted to be an AD. I, I tried to talk to the AD and help when I could. I was getting a doctorate in athletic administration. Like I really put the foot forward to learn as much as I could before I got into that seat. And my favorite saying is when I finally became an AD, I was younger, I was 26, but I didn't know what I didn't know. I just didn't know what I didn't know. And I have credited, um, you know, one of my, my fellow ADs who really took me under his wing and kind of helps me through that. And that's why I like to encourage ADs to do that. But you're absolutely right. You just, you don't know what you don't know, even though I actively tried to be prepared. I wasn't, and I probably was more prepared than most brand new ADs. So that is a great um, thing to put out there. And you don't feel like you don't have to, one of the worst things we can probably say as ADs is last way we go, we've always done it. That doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right. And I think, and I hate, and maybe I'm wrong, but it's, it's, it's my thoughts, right? I think so, so many times as a woman, we don't want to ask for help either, right? Because if we're asking for help, it looks like we don't know what we're doing. And I've always tried to tell any women ADs that are in the area, please pick up the phone and call. Don't feel like you're out there. But I think that's true with men too, right? We sometimes get in our own world and afraid if we're reaching out to somebody that shows that we're a failure, 
We're not a failure. We want to do things right. And I think you have to um, spend time talking to people and getting ideas and it may, what they did may not work, but maybe something they said resonated enough with you that you can take part of that and spend some time working through those things. And I just, I know when I first started out in administration, there weren't very many women yet. And I didn't know who to call, but somebody took me under their wings to help me as well. But I don't think we do enough of that. And that's one thing that through the cohort, the NIAAA cohort, when I took it as a just learning and now as a mentor, I hope that we're helping other ADs to understand that there is help out there. There are people that you can do, um, that you can get some advice from or learn from. And I think that's really important that we don't, that we understand that we can help each other out a lot more if we're just willing to pick up a phone or call or to email or to text or to do whatever. I know, Dustin, you'll, you know, I know Danielle said I'm feeding your ego here more, but um, <laughs> when I got your text to say, hey, it's going to happen and I saw your name, it immediately relieved me of my anxiety about doing this this morning. So um, just knowing that I had a familiar face on the other side of my computer here. Well, if you need to call me Debbie or Daisy or whatever, then if that's, that's me, then I'll, I'll be that. But I think the point is you've got to have those Daisies and Debbies in your life the, as an administrator, those people that will come out and reach out or that you can reach out to. Uh, I'm doing a lot of interviews for coaching positions, and I ask them those questions. Who's your network? Who are you reaching out to? Because if you take this job, yes, I'm a resource for you, but you're going to have to have somebody you're going to vent to, you're going to complain to, you're going to have to go through game situations over those situations with. So who are your networks? Who are you building? Who are your go-to people that you're going to ask? And I think for you um, people that are listening, athletic administrators listening, you've got to have that network built. Um, we've got a built-in one in our mentors that we can go, go to, and we're celebrating life accomplishments. We're celebrating appointments to the NIAAA board. We're celebrating somebody getting an award. It's just people that are like-minded, and you got to surround yourself with those people. My parents taught me to surround yourself by people smarter than you, which doesn't take a whole lot for me. Um, so what I do is I read a lot just because I think those are smart people. I get to tap into their brain and I don't have to sit face to face or they don't have to sit face to face with me. I just get to yeah. sit face to book, read what they say and use that to make myself better. I hey, agree. What? You want to be my Daisy? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you got to find another one. I'll be your Dustin, but I'm not going to be Daisy rejected. That's a whole other gonna... story that we don't need to get into. I think you're my Daisy. <laughs> so, I'm going to change it in my phone. You give everyone I, nicknames, Dustin. You started this. You give everybody nicknames, and now you're my Daisy. Done. I think I think the real <laughs> cool thing, and Vicki, I'm going to jump on this for a, for a second. You said that you weren't at that school anymore, and you wanted that person to be that person, whoever they were. I took over at this school and the guy that, that I'd replaced had been here 17 years. 
And so there were 17 years of the way he did things. And what I would tell my coaches is I'm not that guy and that's okay. I'm going to look at it through a different lens. I'm going to look at it through two different eyes. I'm, and you guys can both attest to this. I'm going to look at it differently than maybe anybody else in the world going to because that's who Dustin is. And that's okay. So as administrators in your roles, you don't have to do it the way somebody else did. You don't have to do it the way Dustin does or the way Vicky does or the way Danielle does. You do it. <laughs> I tell my coaches all the time, you do you. I, you're, you're the expert in you. I am not. So you be you and you run your program how you want to run your program. Now, obviously, it's got to fit in the, the policy procedures and the things that we're doing <laughs> at our, as our district. But you still have the creativity to be you. And I think one of the key things you said to me that, that, that just continues to resonate. I, I have a hard time asking for directions. Mm -hmm. I have a hard time stopping and pulling over and saying, OK, I don't know where in the world. And. And I'm old enough to remember when we didn't have the cell phone to guide us. But yep. the, the amount of trust that we put in Siri to get us to where we want to go just baffles me. Um, and they even do stuff now where they say, hey, there's a speed check ahead. And those, there's a cop on the side of the road. And, I mean, the, the stuff that our phones do now that we didn't have that luxury when we were growing up. Um, you know, just, just the trust of somebody else. And probably that's more the that's probably a negative to me that I, I just, I try to do it myself and I try to get there and don't want to look like I'm needing help. But the reality is we need help. We need help in this profession. We need help in this position. And you mentioned COVID earlier. That was a big time. Everybody needed help just to say, Hey, how are you doing things? How can I do this to where we can return to play safely, where we can get out there and actually compete and, Try to follow find all the policies all the, we need to follow, uh, whether they're state, government, school, district, it doesn't matter. Make sure you just follow them all. Yeah, it was, it was tough, right? And I think that's for me, the cohort, because I took the cohort during the time of COVID, probably mm -hmm. saved me in a lot of ways, a lot more than I ever thought it did. Um, it, But it was that once a month of meeting with people really helped me a lot. And now being a mentor, I always hope that I'm giving back as much as the mentors that I had while I was in the cohort, right? And, and you know, one of the cohorts that was with me was Monica Maxwell. Well, Monica just got... Um, the a job at our, our our state organization so you know on Sunday I met with her for two and a half hours because she'd just gotten in town and um and just to meet to talk about but we went back and talked about our cohort and how much that helped both of us and getting to know each other uh, you know through a computer screen right and then getting to finally see each other at the NIAAA national conferences last year, I think was tremendous, but I, I understand Dustin so much about doing it yourself, right? I mean, and, and how much we rely on things, but boy, being able to give up some of that control. And I think that's, what's always hard, right? As an athletic director, we want that control, but having, knowing that we have a Daisy or a Debbie or, 
for me, even a K would deal or whoever those people are that we can pick up the phone and call and talk to them. Right. And, and that's what I've learned through the cohort about how much it's been nice, you know, like just yesterday, our text to Tina and, and things like that. But just being able to do that has been instrumental. And I, I'm hoping that these 62 new ADs or whatever the amount is going to be coming into Oregon can find some help to get them to be able to be successful in whatever school they're going to be at this year. I think that's, you know, as we look at um, the point of this podcast is just to have some conversations and be real. Um, and we've, we've gone through a variety of topics here. We've talked about Title IX and the importance of what Title IX has done and the opportunities that Title IX has provided both you and Danielle um, in your in your career path, what that's provided for you. We talk about now the, the importance of building that network, who that network may be. Now, you want to surround yourself with good people. Um, and I think the great thing about the NIAAA, and we've talked about it on numerous podcasts and episodes, is about the the AD profession we're willing to share and so whatever I'm going through I may call you and say hey Vicky how would you handle this and Vicky's not going to say well this is my protected game plan I'm not going to tell you how I'm doing this you're just going to share that information and just say here's what we're doing <clears throat> and I think as ADs are listening to this um this episode just thinking we're we're we're, we're human beings that want to make our profession better and we're willing to to share that information, whatever it is. I'm not sure how much I help anybody other than I just will talk a lot and at some point may say enough words that one word comes out right and people are like, okay, that's something. But most of the time they're probably wanting me to shut up and I'm good with that. That's just what I've dealt with that in my life. And Danielle probably wants that happening more often than I, than I do. Um, but the reality is we all share this profession is very taxing. It's a lot of hard work. And we're on an island. We say that week in and week out. We're on an island on our on our own campus because nobody knows what we do. Yep. But we've got a network built around the country that we can say, hey, I can call Vicki in Oregon. Although she knows where Greenwood, Arkansas is, I can call her and say, hey, Vicki, what are you doing with, we'll say COVID, for example, or how's your return to play? Or if you're dealing with a transgender student, what is what is your policy? How are you guys handling that in Oregon so that I can learn from it and, and apply it in Arkansas? I think that's so true. You know, I think back in my coaching days and going to coaching clinics, the one thing that I most admired was the first time I ever went to hear Pat Summit. And I went to um, Lipscomb University, Don. Meyer was having a clinic and Pat Summit and her staff was there and some other college coaches were there as well, both men and women. And that evening, a bunch of coaches were gathered around and Pat was there with her staff and she shared anything and everything with the high school coaches that were there. But there were other college coaches that wouldn't share anything with us. Right. And it was that, as you said, that protective piece and we're not going to share. And, and I thought, gosh, Here's a college coach that doesn't care, but wants to help people to get better. And that was such a big inspiration to me, just as a high school coach, what this one college coach 
wanted to do to help people get better, right? And I think that's that's our part of our job as an athletic administrator is is to help grow coaches, to help grow other coaches that might want to go into administration. Uh, I know Danielle, you talked about you found you tried as when you were trying to learn, you wanted to learn from athletic administrators, would do whatever you could. I think that's, you know, that's part of the, our, our job is to do that, to help them grow and get better and, and to learn as much. And I'm, I'm an open book. Somebody wants something, I can tell you all the mistakes I made. I can tell you some of my successes, but I think we're doing an in, in, in injustice if we don't try to do that in our profession. I'm just going to point out a mistake you've made, Vicki, and that's being a St. Louis Cardinals fan. Um, I just want to get that on the record again in case people didn't hear that. That's a mistake. Maybe we can all learn from that. That's right. We can, right? Vicki, <laughs> uh, I, 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 I told you at the beginning of this, I, I, value, I value your insight. I value your experiences because I think that does help us make our profession better. Um, but more than anything, I value your heart and your willingness to just to, to jump in and to help people out. Um, and I think you maybe have seen that from a coaching standpoint as well, and maybe walking into an athletic director's chair after being a coach and understanding what coaches are going through and understanding the demands that they have on themselves and the pressure that they may put on themselves. You've seen it from a coach's perspective. And I think that may make you a, that's a different administrator. I was never a coach. I, I coached the coaches, but I don't, I've never sat on a sideline and been in charge of a, a program like a coach has. So that's a different set of lens that I don't have. You have that lens that you can take to your chair. Um, just like I would, I have never been a female athletic administrator. And I will go on record to say I will never be a female athletic administrator just to get that out there. <clears throat> so to squelch your Daisy comment about being your Daisy, I'm going to go ahead and put that out there. No, but you're I, still I my, you're still say, my that's Daisy. A, that's a different <laughs> lens that I don't have. And mm -hmm. I think it's important that we experience a different lens or we look through a different lens when we ask people. I have never been a person of color. So I ask my friends that are people of color and say, hey, help me understand what, how you see it. Um, and so I can ask both of you, how do you see it as a female in a very male-dominated world? How do you sit in that room and be okay? How do, you, how do you say, I belong here? I don't know that I ever belong in any room, if I'm just going to be honest. I, I don't know that I belong there. Um, and I said that with that cohort last year. We ended our deal. Vicki, you weren't in there. With, with, we did our end of the year through that cohort. And I said, I spent six months of the year trying to figure out if I even belonged in this group of people um, because I felt overmatched. I felt like I was just the guy that, and this is a dude from Arkansas that just talks way too much. Um, and everybody makes comments about Arkansas. Um, Vicki's probably heard them in, in her time too about, whether we have running water or the internet or anything like that, or roads that aren't dirt or family trees that aren't a straight line. Um, you know, the, I've, I've heard them all. And so I use that when I walked into that room thinking, do I even belong here? Do I belong with a seat at this table? Because I don't, I don't feel like I do. Um, or I didn't for six months feel like I did. 
but the cohort was really impactful for me. Um, it's opened up doors for me to have opportunities to meet both of you guys. I know, Danielle, we weren't through a cohort, but because of my involvement in a cohort, I got on a global community of women call. And that's how Danielle and I met. And Vicky and I got to meet because of the cohort. Um, we got to spend time together. So surround yourselves with people that will help you get better and then continue to tap into that network where I could just text Vicky just now and say, hey, we may be a little late filming. And Vicky's response is, okay, I'm good. Um, but being able, it could be as simple as that. It could be celebrating life. It could be, hey, I got this job or I'm thinking about taking this job. Should I do it? Whatever that network is, I think it's important. And, I, and I'm blessed to have both of you guys as part of my network. Yeah, you're right. And and because of the cohort is one of the reasons I'm where I'm at. Because when I was thinking about taking on this new job at a brand new school, I asked the cohort, tell me, tell me what's good about it. Tell me what's bad. What am I looking for? Right. And, and so I used them and leaned on them to get to where I'm here at this new school. Yeah. Vicki, I appreciate you taking, I know it's early there uh, and you've taken the time and been patient with us. And I, I just value your insight more than I can ever express. And I know Danielle says I get all hallmarky um, making a, a Christmas card or whatever it may be. Um, but, but I do value your insight. I really appreciate you because you know exactly where Greenwood, Arkansas is. And maybe, maybe more so than anybody else we've had on this show. That you know exactly where Greenwood is, and you have an appreciation and an and an uh, affection for the state of Arkansas, which is where I get to be, uh, where I get to reside, and where I get to serve kids and serve our coaches in the community. But um, I appreciate you taking the time and taking a chance on two 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 kids that just really enjoyed doing what we're doing and just being able to talk. I thank you. I appreciate. You guys have given me the opportunity to do this. And uh, I know Ticket Spicket is one of your sponsors. I thank them as well. And it's just been an honor to be here. And Dustin, uh, you know, I appreciate you and all you're doing. And yes, I love the corniness and the hallmarky and uh, <laughs> part of it. And, you know, I love my home. I love, too much. <laughs> <laughs> I love my home state of Arkansas. and. Uh, but I just appreciate y'all have taking yeah. the time to meet with me today. Yeah. Well, I'd like to say thank you to Ticket Spicket for sponsoring all of our episodes. And thank you to you, Vicki, for meeting with us today. And thank you to Dustin for being my Daisy. Oh. Until, week until we gotta get out of that. <laughs> until next week, we'll be back with another episode. Bye. <laughs>